I've mentioned it to my family, but in terms of telling people like, oh yeah, we're doing this, I'm looking for projects. You got anything, yeah. I'm, I'm not there yet because it scares the out of me. Dreaming of launching your own architecture firm? Well, well, buckle up for a wild ride with Emerging, the podcast that shares what it's really like to start an architecture firm. Where do we begin? We don't even know what type of business to formalize as. Is it an LLC? Is it an LLP? Like how are taxes? I mean, the list is astronomical. Season one featured founders Jeffrey, Lexi, and Chris, owners of Level Studio Architecture, are your fearless guides on this unfiltered journey from napkin sketches to a thriving studio. One evening, stumbled into one last dive, we sat at the bar and pondered our postgraduate futures. Amidst the conversation, a napkin became the canvas for our aspirations, sketching plans and milestones, sealing our heartfelt commitment and shared dreams. In drawing down dreams on a napkin collectively, that (laughs) then, you know, in your head, you've rooted like, oh, I'm connected to these people, like long term. The process of starting an architecture practice brims with excitement and challenges, demanding meticulous planning, flawless execution, and unyielding resilience. I kind of hate the term because it's so overly used, but I think everybody knows imposter syndrome. And I think it's, it's so real to this day. I, I I don't know if it's with everybody, but with me, I'm always questioning like us, can we do this? Are we ready to do this? Are we prepared? Can we do it? Did we just decide a name? (laughs) We did it guys. One that came out of nowhere. It came out of nowhere. I liked it. I saw it. Ready to turn your aspirations into reality? Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Emerging and chart your own path to architectural success. This episode of Spaces Podcasts is supported by Infratech. Bring indoor comfort to outdoor living with Infratech Comfort Heaters. Hello, my name is Demetrius. This is Jason. Hey, guys. And you are listening to Spaces Podcast Express. Jason, I have a early Christmas present that oh. uh, came in the mail, and it is uh, jury duty. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm actually on call on Christmas Eve. What? Yeah. Uh, so I have to check in on Christmas Eve at like five o'clock. So that's, <laughs> so that'll be fun. But today we're going to talk about, uh, so we recently put in our episode or put out our episode on 3d printing construction. Yeah, super cool. Um, and there's some news in that, that I want to talk about today, but in other news, we have a new sponsor. Nice. Infratech. So in the last few years, premium outdoor spaces have become a must-have architectural feature, and Infratech outdoor electric heating systems have become the brand of choice among leading architects. Infratech heaters provide energy-efficient, ambient warmth that allows homeowners to live outdoors during their cooler months. Clients love them because they can enjoy 100 more nights a year outside. Architects love them because of their unparalleled versatility, from heater capacity and colors to mounting options that can either seamlessly disappear or accentuate a space with beautiful decorative coverings. 
They're also the only comfort heat company to offer smart home integration and hands-free voice-activated control. For over 60 years, Infratech has made their products in the USA at competitive prices. They offer incredible design and live technical support at every stage of a job. Infratech is specified at the world's most prestigious properties. Learn why and sign up for a free consultation at infratech-usa.com forward slash podcasts. I don't know if I ever told you, but one of my first projects as I came out on my own was uh, was one that had a outdoor covered patio element. Okay. And the conversation never came up about outdoor heating. Okay. And they actually they ended up doing it after the fact during construction. So it's like kind of an afterthought. And I've since had a few projects where we've done the outdoor heating and it was planned in. Yep. And uh, I was checking out Infratech and they actually have some really nice do linear stuff. Flush, yeah, flush mounted and their design is really sleek. Yeah. So I'm going to look at them because uh, I've been putting it in and some of the ones that I've specced have been kind of bulky and awkward. They are. They totally are. Yeah. It can just disappear. It doesn't look added on, right? So it's almost like it can fit into the soffits and stuff like in looking at some of them. Yeah. You know what I mean? Otherwise they are like everybody remembers those big commercial units that hang down and they look like they're <laughs> big blocky, like whatever. Yeah. So it'd be nice. It almost like it, uh, some of them almost look like vents. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like a long, like uh, uh, HVAC type vent, you know what I mean? So you can make it kind of just disappear, which would be awesome. Yeah. So check out Infratech. Uh, it's infratech-usa.com slash podcast. And you can find out more and we'll have a link in our show notes to check them out as well. Now back to today's topic. Uh, as I mentioned, we just recently put out our episode on 3D printing construction. And I don't think you've heard about this. Uh, it's fairly recent news in the 3D printing construction world. Okay. Lennar has a project underway, 100 homes in Austin, all 3D printed. Hmm. And the designer, the architect on the job is uh, Bjork Engels, uh, big. So it's a pretty cool project in Austin. Uh, It'll be interesting to see how this is received once people start to buy and move into this uh, because it's very different from normal communities in the way that this looks the design it's all metal roofing it looks like that's sitting on these 3d printed homes um, and it has that sort of sausage look that we talked about yeah. in our episode well lennar's got an article on their website about it too oh okay interestingly and i didn't know this um but they invested in this particular company which is icon 207 million yeah, so I don't know. I don't think Lennar did the two hundred seven million. I think that's the uh, the total financing. Round. Yeah, you're yeah, right. that was total, total financing. financing round. Yep. But Lennar did invest in this company, and now they're proceeding with this one hundred homes, which is a pretty big community, uh, yeah. all three D printed. And for those that may not know, we mentioned it in an episode long time ago that Lennar is the third largest builder, I think, now in the nation. After they bought out Cal Atlantic, they so they're either one or two, depending on how you look at it. Yeah, something like that. They're so in the top three. If you, yeah, if you, t- so I think what it is, what they go, I think when you have Horton, so it's like Horton and then 
Express by Horton. So if you, which is two separate deals, but if you com, if you combine Horton and Express, they're bigger than Lenar. If uh, not, okay. Lenar's the biggest, something like that. So it depends on who you're talking to and how they want to like slice it, right? Got it. Yeah. Uh, but it's something like that. But those are the two biggest. I know that. But as whatever it is, the top three uh, home builders in the country in the U.S. taking on this pretty huge project that's all 3d printed that that says something <laughs> yeah well i mean it's something that you and i've been talking about for a long time and i've been so worried about is just you know the ability for to, to continue to supply the the tradesmen you know what i mean for for the industry like the, like something had to change yeah so if we don't do that you know I, I don't know how and i was just with a bunch of trades today like and they're struggling with labor in a lot of different ways so it's like if we don't figure something out like you're not going to get it done you know Mm-hmm. Um, you need the big guys to do stuff like this because they have the money and the wherewithal, right? Mm-hmm. And it's certainly going to draw attention. So they kind of have to be at the tip of the spear on these things, you know? Yeah. I'm kind of shocked that they are being the tip of the spear to, in some sense. You know, it's are, funny. Are is, you? No. Here, and here's why. I think, I think the deal is when you're there, when you're that size and you have Wall Street, you need to... Um, answer to i think they constantly want to see you investing and reinvesting in the future quote unquote right uh, so okay. I, to me you know when everybody knows there's supply chain issues there's shortages in labor blah 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 blah. i think my guess is they want to see that you're looking at that and saying how do we how do we make sure we're going to be able to conter- you know return investment to our investors year after year after year after year and it's like hey we've got investment in this, we're going to make money on it, but we're going to learn. And we, you know, we have the ability to do that. And then there's tax breaks for them on doing R and D don't forget. Right. Mm. So you do all those kind of things. And I'm sure they're way smarter on how to classify that stuff and get their money out than I would be. <laughs> um, so I, I know there's gotta be some advantages to do that. Plus, you know, to the same thing that we're talking about, it doesn't matter what division they're talking to. The two things that they're mentioning right now is labor and materials. Yeah. And the material is one thing because it's a supply chain issue, but the labor has been an issue forever. So it doesn't surprise me that they'd be looking at that. To me, it's the same thing as where you have some of these bigger guys that have been going to the uh, the manufactured wall systems mm-hmm. that are factory mm-hmm. built and trucked out just like trusses. Right. Yeah. Um, so it's just another evolutionary step of that. I think, you know, it's like, okay, we can do this and this, you know, in my experience, the, the ones that are the public builders, have always been gun shy to do anything and they typically have cut back and, you know, tried to cut costs wherever they could and been very conservative. It seems like to your point, maybe the profit margin has squeezed so much that they're forced to step outside of the box a little bit. Um, I mean, the, the answer is probably D all of the above. <laughs> you, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I think, I think, we know there's a problem period, however you want to look at it from the fact, I mean, and really why are those margins eroding? Well, because if you have less and less labor, you got to pay more for it. Right. Yeah. So you're, you you got to look at it. Like how do you hedge against some of these things? And, and I would say that would be one way to do it. So I, I think, you know, again, you know, they're, they're making rec- they've made record profits for a while. You got to reinvest. There's tax breaks to do that and all these other kind of things, plus the vision for the future. And it makes you look good from a lot of different standpoints. So to me, I think it's a brilliant idea. And that's why these big guys are the ones that have to take those steps. 
mm-hmm. because the little guys can't afford to do it. I mean, they don't want to put everything they have, you know, that they've made into an idea and then, you know, not pan out. They've got a little bit more monopoly money, I think. Right. Yeah. From a design aspect, now looking at this, a hundred of these homes all next to each other. What are your thoughts? Dude, this is right back to uh, the days of like the w- w- when they were just stamping out like tract homes, right? Like quote unquote yeah. tract homes <laughs> way back when. Yeah. Um, you know, it was built for the military guys and those families and everything. And it was just, you know, just cookie, cookie cutter boxes, right? Uh-huh. And in, in, I don't know if you ever saw what, uh, RSI built. Did, did you ever see that? They were the first ones that really kind of did, tried to do like factory homes. I know of RSI. Mm-hmm. I've seen some of their homes, like just uh, a plan of a house. Yeah. And it was a box. N- n- yeah. Not, Bro, not ideal. <laughs> I mean, it was a box and it was like, and the stairs were centered just for, you know what I mean? Like it was a box. Yeah. And I think there's a place for that. I really, really do. Like from a housing demand standpoint, but their biggest issue was getting the cities to sign off on it, right? Because you know mm-hmm. what it's like as an architect dealing with the cities. Like everybody wants theirs to look so beautiful and adds all these foam treatments and this and that and whatever, mm-hmm. which just drives the cost of things insane, you know? Um, so I think when you come out with something new like they're doing with this, they might get a little bit of, uh, they might get a little bit of leeway just because they're trying something new and the idea is like, look, this is going to be a solution to solve whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's going to be really interesting to see how it takes off too, because I mean, I, I even look at the, you know, concrete wall and I'm like, man, how do you teach people how to hang a picture? <laughs> I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like, like it, I would, I would guess that they have a basically furring of a standard wood on the inside. I would, I would think so. I would guess, but you don't know, you know what I mean? Yeah. And then if you even think about that, like if you have standard furring on a concrete wall, like you still have to set those, like it's, that's a lot of labor to do that, to put, you know, drywall on there and all that kind of stuff. But so you kind of look at it, it's like, well, is that, does that kind of somewhat defeat the purpose too? Hmm. You're mini framing the rest of the house. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. right. I mean, it, yeah. even if you're putting one by on there, like you're, you're almost, you know, in the time it would take for you to set a wall, you're going to have to concrete drill these things. And then, you know, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's kind of an interesting idea. Looking at it at this scale of a hundred homes all next to each other, it's very dystopian. Um, yeah. They didn't really soften them up at all. They just accentuated the concrete. It's all exposed on the exterior and they have these big, metal hats on them so it's a little i don't know i looking at them together it's it's not appealing i'll say that yeah i mean you gotta start somewhere (laughs) you know what i mean and so maybe maybe the place they're doing it it's gonna be super affordable so people just be lining up to get it maybe it's the novelty of the houses Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I, I don't disagree with you, right. It's going to be overly simplistic in order to make it work, which means you have less and less character, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, but we got to start somewhere. Yeah. So, you know, they're probably doing it in an entry level scenario too, right? So it's a small footprint and that type of stuff. They're pretty deep. Um, looking at the homes, they, uh, I don't know, they probably look about, what would you say? Maybe 20, 30, 40, they're probably at least 60 feet deep, I would guess. That's a deep house. Um, so it looks like there's a variation of home sizes. There's some small ones, and then 
these really deep long ones all over the place yeah okay um but like you said i gotta start somewhere um i just wish they would have put a little more attention into variation yeah so that it's not all concrete and maybe accentuate some parts yeah i, don't know. I, I mean like i was saying this kind of gets back to like the military tract housing idea way back when mm-hmm. you know um and i think you know one of the things i've learned for a long time is if you've got complicated things to deal with you try to simplify everything you know yeah i um, mean they've got some complicated issues they're gonna have to deal with and it's a complicated process that they're gonna have to work with so the idea of simplification to me isn't that bad you got to learn to, you know, like what was the, what was the deal in oceans 11 or whatever? You got to learn to run before you can crawl or whatever. And they're like, Oh no, <laughs> other way around. You, you really don't want to start running before you've even learned to crawl. And I think in a new pace like this, with this many homes and that size of a scope, you know, you're going to try and, and well, even if you listen to what the gentleman said last time, like you want to learn the process because you get faster and faster as you go. Right. Well, you don't want to do yeah. five different plans. Because by the time you do three of each one, you're you're already 15 deep. You know what I mean? Like 15% of your project's already over. That, that could be all your money, you know? Yeah. Um, all the profit built in. So I, I get it. And that's what I'm saying. It's probably more of an affordable community would be my guess to where, you know, and I'm sure maybe there's something that Texas is doing with them too. You know what I mean? To try mm-hmm. and bring some kind of deal into it if they're going to, you know, pump the tires on this project so much. So. Um, plus it allows them simple truss lines and roof line. You know what I mean? Is, is what yeah. it all looks like. I wonder if they went to this size of a community, a hundred because of the price point. My initial thought would have been to do a smaller community of yeah. like, I don't know, 20 homes or whatever, yeah. just to try it out. Yeah. But a hundred is but that, massive. But in Texas though, like that, they don't, um, you know what I mean? Like you got, you got to think about where we are. You know, we look at it and go, man, like a good-sized community out of here is like 50 homes, right? Just yeah. because you're so landlocked. But out in places like this in Florida, like they got a couple hundred home communities. You know what I mean? Because the land is so big and you still have huge master plans. So yeah. I think that's probably just kind of like, man, run-of-the-mill size for them. You know what I mean? Yeah. It'll be interesting to see how this I'd love to uh, see it. I'd love to actually pans see out. it. There's one near us in palm springs um that's under construction right now it doesn't look uh, anything like this yeah it's probably more of a custom deal well i think the the choice to go with a metal roof over this almost repetitive floor plan with the fully concrete uh base acts uh accent is um very harsh but the one that's in palm springs doesn't it didn't I didn't get this feeling when I saw that one. Okay. Um, I forget the name of that. It's in Rancho Mirage, okay. I think. Sure. Pretty affluent area. Yeah. So it's very different. I don't think they would have let this fly there. Ew. Yeah. Agreed. <laughs> so it'll be interesting to see. We'll, maybe we'll check in on this every every once in a while to see how this is going. But I mean, like, um, look, we need it to be successful. You know, like that's, I mean we need something to change. I mean, again, like I said, I was with multiple trades today and all they do is complain about trade wars between each other. And granted, everything's at a high supply demand right now, which, which mm-hmm. strains that out. But we all talk about an aging workforce. It's, it's not drawn in any more people, you know what I mean? So we need solutions to that for sure. Yeah. I just hope the the one thing that I do hope is that they quickly find an alternative material 
to concrete uh, or reduce the amount of concrete somehow because concrete is not ideal for sustainability but the process and the the method makes a lot of sense mm. so hopefully that that gets flushed out you know sooner rather than later too yeah but it's interesting to see yeah yeah it's a step it's a step forward i think yeah that's for sure all right thanks uh for sitting down with me today jason thank you to the listeners for listening we'll have this in the show notes a link to this in the show notes and we'll talk again on thursday thanks thanks again for listening don't forget to check out our sponsors by checking them out and supporting them you help us keep this show going thank you to infratech outdoor comfort heating for their support of this episode of spaces podcasts Visit infratech-usa.com slash podcast to sign up for a free consultation and learn why Infratech is the choice for bringing indoor comfort to outdoor living. Spaces is part of the Gable Media Network. You can check out similar content at gablemedia.com. That's G-A-B-L media.com. If you enjoy our show, you can support us in three simple ways for free You can leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or on your podcast app if it allows you to. Tell a friend and follow us on social media. Thanks for spending time with us. Talk soon. architecture firm owners and emerging leaders. Get ready for unparalleled insight into the development of a world-class architecture firm and a worldwide organization driving the digital transformation of the design and construction industry. With Build Smart, the podcast that's changing how our profession operates. We share the incredible stories behind innovation in the building industry with my friend and co-host Patrick McLaney, FAIA former CEO of the international architecture firm, HOK. You know, Yamasaki's office or firm lasted during his lifetime. And when he passed away, I think that was the end of the Yamasaki office. Helmut did not want that. He wanted a firm that would live out and grow beyond the founders. In season one, discover the untold stories behind HOK's meteoric rise. From 150 employees in St. Louis to a powerhouse with over 1,900 staff members and 27 offices worldwide. You know, they weren't as polite as the Kojima people. That was just boom. And anytime you have a creditor, whether it's Kojima or the bank, that wants their money, unless you can raise money someplace else, you are out of business. Bankrupt. Bankrupt. And hold on tight for season two, where Patrick takes us on a new adventure as chairman of Building Smart International, shaping the future of digital transformation in the design, construction, and operation of built assets. 
Ian Howell, Ken Harold, and I, Ken was my technical representative from HOK, the three of us took a tour of Europe of five cities in five days. Very busy time. Simply follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Build Smart Now and uncover lessons that will transform you and your architecture firm.